Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Five Full Fantasy Podcast with the Taxi Squad. We are your hosts tonight, Alan, Maddie Kay, and myself, Jay. It is Monday, November 27th, 2023, and with the end of week seven and the beginning of week eight, we are excited to be with you on the van cab tonight for some quick fares around the league. Craig's not on with us tonight, but as he usually says, let's stir up the fares and jump right into it. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome back to the Taxi Squad. We are your hosts for tonight. I'm Jay here, alongside Alan and Maddie K here for a quick fairs review of Week Seven. How are we doing, everyone? I wish Thanksgiving had treated me a little better, man. Like after we recorded that episode, I uh, some stomach flu got passed around, and oh, it was no not good. Fun. Oh, great to be back, fellas. That intro always gets me going. Alan, that sounds like the worst. <laughs> Too it much was. turkey. It was. Too much turkey is evidently possible, indeed. My goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was gonna say too, a heartbreaking moment, Maddie K with uh with the Buffalo game and how it how that transpired at the very end. Yeah, just soul exiting the body. You know, from the outside looking in, you'd think, Wow, how could you handle that? You know, there's a thickness to the skin of a Buffalo Bills <laughs> fan that's just Expect the unexpected. We find remarkable ways to lose games that we should win. So yesterday was just another chapter in that book. <laughs> What's the quote? Uh, instead of snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, it's a, it's a what? A snatching defeat. Yeah, snatching defeat from the jaws <laughs> of victory. It's the city that's not allowed to have nice things. We're going to talk about this a little bit later when it comes to uh, to one of our main points. But yeah, it's just... It's, it's just so bubble. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right, um, before we jump quickly into things, we'll run around some injury reports and news around the league. So, uh, Tomash Hurdle, um, line one, PP1, top line centerman on the Sharks. He's sitting tonight. He's got a mid-body injury, and I think this is a new thing. I used to only hear upper body and uh, lower body, but I guess now mid-body injury, and that's what's keeping him and ailing him out tonight. Uh, Ryan Hartman, he has been suspended. That's the conclusion after his, uh, I guess, his meeting uh, meeting with Department of Player Safety. Um, and he's been suspended for two games for tripping slash slew footing uh, to bring it. Um, yeah, so watch and monitor for um, those next two games. I don't believe... The- but if you want to audition for the MLB, like Jacob Truba... <laughs> It's a five thousand dollar fine. That. Exactly. Like they must have had every single individual at the Department of Player Safety watching the video for the first it's time. Like we've and nobody paying attention. We've to the spun fact the wheel five times basically, and it landed on five. That's it. Every this time. guy is the epitome of a repeat offender. Oh, man. Two two games indeed. So <laughs> Mitty's got a relatively light schedule in Week Eight as well. So I guess uh, Sunday against Chicago is when you'll next get to see. Uh, good old Ryan, and hopefully, hopefully he's picked up uh, a little less baseball in the meantime. Staying with the Wild, actually, Dean Evison, Bob Woods, 
relieved of coaching duties. So I guess it only took, uh, what, 70, 70 plus goals against for them to realize that this thing might not be clicking. John Hines is going to be the new Wild head coach. And so we'll see how these changes go and whether or not. So glad I moved off of Boldy. I do not foresee very good things happening. <laughs> in the beginning, remember in the, in the preseason? I'm telling, I'm spinning this yarn of Matt Boldy and the frustration he caused me. And you look at the line and you're like, how could that be? Yeah. Look where he ended the year off. And, and now, like, again, 3.6%. Point like it's unbelievable. Yeah, he just, he fires an insane amount of pucks on that and never And John scores. Hines, I don't see him improving that. So I'm glad I moved off of him. But, you know, if the team does get a little bit of a bounce here, I mean, even in bad teams, we usually see when there's a change like that, we get a, a, a short-lived bounce. I wonder what that does to uh, Gustafsson, who was, I mean, in a lot of leagues, finished goalie two last year, top three goalie last year, and uh, he's been terrible this year. But I wonder, in a lot of cases, he might be on the wire, or if he's not on the wire, he's at the bottom of somebody's goalie rotation, and you never know. It could be a turning point for that team, and if it's a turning point for that team, it's probably going to start in that. I mean, honestly speaking, with how Minnesota's performing, I think... There truly is no other way to go but up. And if there's any uh, any opportunity to I buy, don't know. <laughs> if there's any opportunity to buy, you ain't buying high on Minnesota Wild right now. You're you're buying low. So maybe maybe uh maybe this guy is. Dude, Zuka Zuccarello's been pretty good for me this season. He's definitely, especially with the right wing uh right wing scarcity as well. Definitely. Alan, um, I guess I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, yeah. So my topic as we draw to a close for Kane Watch for the fifth time this month <laughs> to you as fantasy uh, managers, is, is, he, is he worth rushing out again? Was he worth the stash? I mean, if you're lucky enough to have an NA slot that you don't need for anything else, sure, why not? Uh, <laughs> but most of us, you would have had to hold, like, occupy a roster spot for him and I mean, really, what what can we expect from him? I don't think we can expect 100-plus point pace Kane from previous seasons. I mean, he says he wants to go to a contender. Uh, looks like the front runners are Florida, Detroit, and I've heard Dallas, but I've also heard Dallas wants to focus on defense, so it looks like they might be out. I mean, last year, playing with injury, he did put up a 64-point pace including uh, 19 games to the Rangers. But I mean, let's be real. Like, uh, this guy is well on the wrong side of 30. Uh, surgery and then hip surgery, of all things, are like no joke for any hockey player. I mean, was it Robin Leonard had double hip surgery like two years ago? He still hasn't suited up at all. Uh, snake farm escapades aside, Sagan, it took him more than one season to even touch like his previous uh, previous stats. And I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's the same surgery, but pasta, cooch. I mean, yeah, they probably the exceptions to the rule. Even the the infamous season where Kucherov became a verb. That game one, series one against the Panthers, like he just looked slow. As I said with the big David, um, I mean, Kane could very well be one of those guys who at 60, 70 percent is a lot better than a lot of players in the league at a hundred percent, but honestly, I don't rush out to pick him up. Don't spend a ton of draft capital to get him. I mean, 
if he happens to be there and it sounds like he signed, you see see that news on Twitter first. Sure. I'd like uh, if you, you know, give up a streamer spot for him, but don't 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 expect hundred plus point pace cane. I think those those the, days I mean, are behind the him. needle they'd have to thread to do this. Right. First of all, finding a team that has the opportunity, the salary cap space, although I don't think he's going to sign for very much. But more importantly, the opportunity. What team is a contender at this moment in time or or projecting to be a contender that's going to have room for him? I'm assuming at this point we're looking at line like power play two and a, a line two slash line three role is really. So, I mean, there's some ego there that, that I'm sure he probably dealt with last year when he went to the Rangers because uh, that was effectively his role there. It decidedly didn't go that well. He wasn't really that much of an impact player for them, um, you know, when it mattered down the stretch. I mean, he's certainly going to help a team he goes to. I don't know if he's going to be a big difference maker to a team he goes to. Right, and that's what even in Florida, like, who do you move off? Do you, like, I don't know, you could maybe make play or make uh, Kachuk play the left wing and then put him with Bennett and Verhage online too. Like, do you, uh, do you move Reinhardt down? No. Do you move Kachuk down? No. Like, I mean, unless you really want like a really high scoring, tough to play against third line to put out against other third lines. I just, and that's just Florida, man. Like, and people are talking Detroit with Debrinkat, right? The longer teams, the longer he waits, he's playing chicken with his own contract. Yeah. Effectively, the longer he waits, the more teams in the league are going to figure their shit out. Mm. And realize, I can do this in-house. I can do this other ways. And it will effectively limit, I think, his... And it's chicken and egg dilemma. Because, right? Because <laughs> contenders don't have the cap because they've spent up to it. And the teams that have cap are probably not contenders. There's one player I think of when I think of Kane. And it could it be like akin to Tarasenko? There was a similar similar sort of setup last season as well, right? Like veteran, bonafide, skill player. Obviously, we know they've won the cup. They've been uh, the guy. Even then, though, like Tarasenko, I think I put it out in the, the preseason stuff that like he had only done point per game like once in the last, probably I think once in his career maybe. Mm. Um, and he's definitely not doing it in Ottawa. <laughs> yeah. And, and I guess if anything, I guess Kane, if, Kane's definitely proven himself as the guy in multiple seasons, multiple times beyond. But again, wrong side of 30. And I think that injury and I guess the time away from competitive hockey calls into so many things in question, given that he's been the guy providing offense in every team that he's been. But if he wants to be a contender, that might not necessarily be what contending teams are looking for from a third line winger from most likely like most likely he's not going to play on the fourth line right so it's either going to be a third or a second liner and what team on those contending teams that we're describing are matching up to you know to give him or look for him exactly as like a piece i guess like a, a missing puzzle piece I, the only other thing that helps waiting longer is maybe maybe injury history like he realistically is an upgrade, you think, over over any plug and play. Like, like you're thinking the what? Like, I don't know. I'm talking like centers here, but like Kerfoot, right? Imagine that's the sort of guy that's going to play on your third line. I'll take a flyer on 
on Kane, right? Over man, now it sounds like I'm shitting on Kerfa. Not feel bad, but like you know, like <laughs> like I I only hope for yeah for one thing with him is that wherever it is he goes and whatever it is he signs for, somehow some way he comes out of the gate and has like three goals in two games and fantasy GMs are just going bananas about what do we do? Falling all over themselves with FOMO to pick this Wait, guy. Wait, I've up. seen we this know before. It's not sustainable. This is Pacioretty. That's right. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's the scenario that we need. Wherever he goes, whatever game jersey he puts two on. After oh the my first God. game. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was. No, I thought Patches got one or two or three games two with three the games, Canes yeah. before he re-injured yeah, himself. I think it was, yeah, two in his third. That's right. He's sitting on my IR right now in my home. But he did gosh. amazingly well. And I remember him rocketing up those ads, especially on Yahoo. And then right afterwards, you see, and it's like, I think he was out for the season. And... There were other managers that didn't even see that he had come back because they followed so infrequently that they just assumed he stayed on IR. But I don't know if that's Kane's injury necessarily. I hope to God it wouldn't be. But the big one with Kane is more so just he is the kind of guy that is bonafide top line and that role on a contender might not exist on the third lines that he's most likely to actually sit on. He's not a physical guy. Is he like? A- Just think of uh, your your lamentations of uh, Timo Meyer. <laughs> no, it's true though. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, he's not gonna get the run, but Kane watch. Yeah, I I, I assume supposedly that- this week, guys. <laughs> this week, I I assume it's probably it's probably be- between Florida and Detroit, right? Probably Detroit. Uh, if we're, if that's we're what it seems like. It sounds like yeah. he wants Detroit. nothing to do with the West because of travel. Yeah, wants to stay East. Next up. Oh, Matty K, I guess. Uh, what what topic you got? Well, we kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier in the intro, but we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the Buffalo hockey team today <laughs> as opposed to the Buffalo football team, as we hit on a bit earlier. But, um, you know, the Sabres are an interesting group to look at right now. We've obviously got Tage Thompson out, um, which is a huge injury for them. He's out until mid-December with that left wrist. Um, but the Sabres are T6 in the Atlantic right now. They're 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last 10. They've got 59 goals for. They've allowed 70, so that negative differential is never a good sign. So why the hell are we talking about the Buffalo Sabres? We're talking about the Buffalo Sabres because they got 11 games over the next three weeks. Schedule gets a little bit cold after that, but we've got 11 games with five off nights coming up between this week and the two afterwards. And we've got a significant injury to the star of their team, or I'd say one of the co-stars of their team, uh, which gives some players some opportunity. So today we're going to take a quick look at who's doing something with that opportunity, who isn't, and maybe are any of these players worth owning uh, moving forward. So Buffalo as a team uh, tied for 27th in uh, goals for per game at just under three. They're 20th in the league in goals against per game. This is at even strength. Uh, There's a real power outage for them when it comes to shots on goal. They're 29th in the league at uh, 28 per game. Their power play struggles. And obviously with Tage being out, that's uh, no surprise. But they're 23rd in the league converting at about 16.4% right now. Their power play is, or sorry, penalty kill is surprisingly really good. They're ninth in the league at a little over 85%. So how are they doing this? The core of this team right now, you've got line one, Casey Middlestat is centering Alex Tuck and Jeff Skinner. Line two, we've got Dylan Cousins with Zach Benson and JJ Paterka. And all of that is being put together in a power play one that's being anchored by Darlene with Middlestat, Tuck, Skinner, and Paterka 
as of last look. So in the past two weeks, they've only got five players inside the top 200 in cupful scoring. And I'm being generous with that because a few of them are right on the bubble. So it goes without saying Deline's on this list. He's 100% owned. In his last six games, he's got a goal, five apples, a bazillion peripherals. He's on the ice for half the game. He's a monster. If you own him, fantastic. If you don't, you're probably going to have to give up a lot for him. So he doesn't really add a whole lot to this discussion other than to say proximity to Darlene is probably going to be good for fantasy outcomes. So the next we're going to look at is who else is really driving some offense on this team over the last couple of weeks. And J.J. Paterka's name has popped up here. He's got two goals, four assists over those six games, 14 shots on goal. Nothing else really on the perif side, but he's on the ice 17 minutes. He's got some pretty high luck stats. We got 84% IPP. He's got five of eight secondary assists, but he's got 14 points in his last 14 games. He's only shooting 16%, which isn't out of this world. So Paterka could be somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, Alex Tuck is heating up a little bit as well. He's got six goals, eight apples, and 18 games played. It's a 64-point pace, which is significantly down from his 88-point pace from last year. He's on the ice a ton, almost 20 minutes a game. He doesn't shoot a lot, though. I mean, I know that's not his thing. It never really has been. 2.4 shots a game isn't really going to do a whole lot for you. But he's starting in the defensive zone a lot more. And I think, you know, Ozone start under 50%. Probably some of the changes that are happening with that team with the injuries that we noted before. A little bit more defensive deployment. It's going to depress a little bit of his offensive upside. So what we've got here is a number of players that are really given some opportunity. Middle stat is now centering that top line. He's got five assists in six games with six shots on goal. Six shots on goal. He's got three goals and 14 assists in 21 games, which is a great pace. 66 points. I don't know if anybody would have predicted that at the beginning of the year. With a 1.3 shots per game average. Barf. So that's going to be really tough to, to, to have in your lineup unless he's really gotten on a heater. So we mentioned earlier on the power play is really where this team has struggled. Right? They're actually quite good on the PK. So what is happening with these players five on five? Right? Who's actually generating some offense? Who's actually holding on to the puck? Who's shooting? And who's giving them scoring chances? And a couple of these players really jump out. Skinner in particular, he's 21st in the NHL in individual Corsi 4 per 60, 24th in individual scoring chances for per 60, um, which means he's somebody, if you don't have him, you want to keep an eye on it. He's got 90% ownership right now in Yahoo, so it might be more of a trade target, but he's a volume shooter and he's a possession monster. The other person on this list, surprisingly, is Paterka. 51st in the NHL in individual Corsi 4 per 60 and 74th in individual high danger chances 4 per 60. So when Paterka's on the ice, he's shooting and he's actually getting chances in high danger areas. So if we're looking at some Sabres, again, with the schedule we talked about previously, who are some of these players? If you own like different classifications here, right? We've got Cousins 66%, Tuck 90%, Skinner 90%, Darlene 100%. Those players, we're having a conversation about, do I hold them if they've been a little bit colder? With a player like Middlestat and a player like Paterka, 16%, 21% owned, it's, do I pick this guy up? Is this somebody that can help me over the next three weeks with the favorable schedule and some of the favorable metrics to go along with it? So that will be 
our discussion on Buffalo with the caveat that if we have an honorable mention for today, and we'll hit it really quickly, it's what's happening in the Buffalo net. We came into this season with one distinct notion that it was Devin Levi going to take this net and going to run with this team. And what we've seen is actually the opposite. Now, it's still early in the season, but you look 5v5, the save percentage for UPL at 914 versus Devin Levi, 888, right? And if you go to the shorthanded, right? So when we're obviously a more difficult situation for the team, uh, we've got a save percentage for UPL of 927 while they're shorthanded. That's fifth in the whole league where Levi's around 875. 23rd's not terrible, but it's more in the meaty middle. So we've got one goalie that's significantly outplaying the other here. And going into the season, it's not the guy we thought. So just keep that in mind with that schedule coming up. That's probably more than we would ever dedicate to the Buffalo Sabres for any one given segment. But fellas, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I so I thought like to take out. I'm like, they're sunk. They're probably still sunk. I, I don't think they're going to take that step forward we expected. But the players that are individually have been kind of surprising. Like I didn't realize UPL's uh, save percentage was was that high. I mean, you, you don't think about it because they're not winning a lot of their games, but um, yeah, 914. That's, that's pretty good this season. It's funny to think like Casey Middlestock. I remember when he was drafted, like his eighth overall, like that high, high first round pedigree. And like, he didn't really do anything his rookie season uh, floundered around in the minors for years. And now, I mean, now look at a man where this could be where he starts to break out and we see who Casey Middlestad is. And yeah, JJ Paterka, that was kind of a surprise. Cause I know even in this show, like early in the season, we we're like, yeah, you can pick this guy up. But no, even uh, I remember uh, apples and genus this week where TJ was, was gasting. There are some guys that are chipping in, man. Like I, they're not as completely, a desert, a talent desert as, as maybe we thought. So yeah, with that schedule, yeah, some of these guys are probably worth rostering. I'm going to be the Debbie downer here. I think sometimes, uh, thinking back, like, Maddie you've got some real gems that you said, like quotable, quotable lines throughout like our pods, but the market can remain irrational, you know, like far longer than you can remain solvent, right? Same concept too. The same way is we act far longer in 23-24 thinking that actions in 22-23 will continue. And I'm just casually looking at the stats now too. It almost rolls partly into my main topic as well. But just if you're rolling around and just considering looking around the league, nothing really about the Sabres is particularly special to be honest. They're, They're languishing bottom half of the Atlantic, right? They have a ton of games played in comparison. They managed somehow alongside the Montreal Canadiens to have a negative goal differential that's something even Ottawa at the very bottom doesn't have. Like, this is a very strong division. And what the heck is Buffalo doing? Like, we we also know that Tage is gone for the next several weeks at least as well. This team definitely broke out last season. Like, Darlene was a breakout in 22-23, partially because just as everyone had described, oh, it's great, it's great, it's great. He was really no different than if you were to take, like, a Mike Matheson, mind you, a couple years younger, like, and say, oh, yeah, he's got this great potential. He's got this great deployment setup. This year, when you look at the Sabres, they're good. They're, but but no. No, no NHL team is truly, truly terrible, except for the 
barn door fire or whatever you want to call it that is in San Jose. Edmonton Oilers? What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I misspoke there. It must have been Edmonton instead. And I just think about certain teams. Like You scroll down, you roll around to L.A. That team is on a five-game win streak. That team somehow is not lost away. That team has so many other pieces. True, I guess, almost undersold, undervalued pieces. They play, for example, like two games this week, all on off nights. But that's a team where I would say, okay, don't target them this week, but they play four games the week afterwards. High target the last game in week eight and then roll around and hold for week nine. Like, we're humming, eeing, awing over a team that doesn't have its superstar, over a team that's languishing away, over a team that's mostly owned up, and then we're kind of like scrambling around for scrappy pieces. Like, no offense here, man. I'm really just going to get sauced by these followers. Hey, man, I will say that's that's where you get... No, that, that's a lot. That's where you get your Tage Thompsons, though, is like, hey, the Buffalo, gets opportunity. <laughs> Right? We're not looking at the Sabres because we know exactly what's going to happen. I'm looking at the Sabres precisely because they give us 11 games of opportunity over the next three weeks. And we know the centers aren't doing anything. And I mean, they they beat the Rangers. Like, that's right. And Paterka's 20% owned. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, there's there's players here that are literally going to help your team. There's not a lot of them, (laughs) but there's people getting opportunity they didn't get four or five weeks yeah, what, ago. What JJ do and tonight? What JJ do tonight? I feel like he had at least one goal. I'll definitely give credit where credit's due. The 19% ownership, the 22% ownership, bam. Like, definitely worth a while, but, but nothing more than a weekly stream, right? These guys, Casey Middlestat, Dill, like, even... Okay, Cousins is... Sorry, I apologize. Way, way more owned. 63%, but this... Cousins... He's playing the worst out of all of them, to be honest with you. He's having a brutal year so Absolutely. far. Absolutely. And I would say... Take a look at the goalies, UPL in specific. Take a look at Paterka. To a lesser extent, middle stat. These guys are around, and they're going to play. That's the best way we can describe it, right? They'll get the ice time no matter what anyway. Oh, man. Literally, yeah. Um Okay, so... I've been into mind topic. Uh, the main, the main idea. I've, I've hammered it down every single quick fares. It feels like it's the same one each time. But we're past now, boys. We're past the twenty game mark. And not only are we past the twenty game mark, but now we're starting to crystallize. And we described this before. People will yo yo. People will bounce. They won't change too much. And now, basically, what we'll see, and basically what we'll want to identify is, let's codify and let's drop our twenty two, twenty three preconceptions right these are our new paradigms so these are gonna be the plays the teams the ways we expect teams to function teams to perform we talked about i think sports betting at a certain point uh previously as well and i'd imagine vegas definitely considers vegas not the golden knights but vegas as in uh, i guess like the people that run the lines they're definitely going to take these 20 game markers in and as well and probably tailor from here on out so if Vegas would do it, we should obviously, you know, be aware that how we perceive teams definitely should alter and shift as well. So let's run through a couple of these stalwarts first and foremost. So you're always going to have your, your, I guess what you call them, your contenders, your blue chips. So Boston is a classic example of 
I guess like the, what do you call them? Like the, the lion that never dies, right? So there they are and they lose all their centers. They lose all their uh, previous gentlemen, so to speak, that were, you know, keeping that locker room uh, strong and steady. And they basically just continued on. Who knew? Marshan was the glue the whole time. But Pavel Zaka got a lot of attention early on. Mind you, he was still for a while in the season, like 20, 30% owned, but now that's been ratcheting up. And I think now he's around like 66, 67%. So two thirds of the time, most of the time, you're just not going to see him in your available leagues anymore. But seven goals, nine assists, 20 games. This, this guy's been pretty good, but he, with all his line one PP1 setup is actually giving, if you're adding all, at least in certain leagues that I'm playing in, he's actually giving less than the completely, I guess, definitely under the radar in comparison, Charlie Coyle, right? Like he's line two, power play two, but he's got nine goals, 10 assists, same number of games, 29% ownership. So I would definitely say don't, de- definitely if you missed out on the Pavel Zaka sweepstakes, uh, I don't know, fantasy managers, we feel bad when we miss out on a player, even if we hit a home run or another wave wire pick. And if that's you with Pavel Zaka and you feel terrible, don't worry. You can still keep going. There's <laughs> there's literally the next guy up, like Charlie Coyle. He's, he's incredible. And he's actually playing so well that it's not inconceivable that, you know, given enough time, possibly injuries, that he might get a crack and a shot. And who knows? Like, again... Boston is the contender, right? They, they aren't they aren't dropping off the face of the earth, and they are going to continue to get those opportunities for you to um, play on, especially if he continues to stay only at the 29% ownership. Jump in. It's a very deep center position, and man, Boston, geez, you can, even like Trent Frederick, you know, in like certain times, like in, if your league counts face-offs or whatnot, like deep Jump in with teams that you can now crystallize in your mind as contenders. Now, I, I had a couple of other contenders I, I was going to talk about, especially in the Atlantic, because the Atlantic, that that division is just so stacked. Like, you have Florida, Detroit, Tampa, Toronto. All those guys are hanging in around. They have either games in hand or points banged. So like, those, those three playoff spots in the division, I would say one is definitely going to be Boston's, but the other... The other two are going to be hotly contested between those remaining four teams. Um, and every team has something that you can latch on to as, as a reason to believe, right? Florida, all every, every defenseman, right? <laughs> the goalies seemingly back. The defensemen are back. Detroit, right? It seemed like they finally got those extra pieces. And uh, if Allen's correct with Kane Watch, uh, <laughs> maybe another big <laughs> offensive talent coming their way. Uh, Tampa's goalie's back. Uh, and the Leafs, I I don't know. They have games in hand. Who knows? Who knows what happens with the Leafs? Regular season juggernaut, you know? Uh, it's the playoffs that's the problem, you know? Those Atlantic teams, 100% look for any players that you can snag just to just to shore up a stronger week. I would say I'm going to I'm going to dive the other way. So I'm, I'm going to go there's a couple teams to chat on for contenders, but the big one for the next two weeks especially is we touched on it before with Columbus but my goodness this team has such a good schedule in the upcoming week that goaltender is just not owned everywhere and anywhere on planet earth and I know we mentioned that they were on a nine game losing streak but I think Columbus just turned it around did did they not like that they just managed to end it they just spanked Boston (laughs) 
and, and in what a fashion as well. Marchenko woke up and decided today was the day. And if if that's gonna be if that's gonna be how the Columbus Blue Jackets are playing, what a time with what a great confluence of great NHL scheduling for them too. Yeah, that's that's an example in which you'll see so many quality players iced up, available, and don't ever sleep down on any of those. Uh, mind you, they're not pretenders or contenders or sleepers. Uh, what do we call them? Shitters? I don't know what we call it, but <laughs> shirts, shirts, indeed. Uh, wow, the shardy sharks. It's it's almost like it was in the name right from the go. Um, but definitely take on. These scheduled opportunists and don't ever be afraid, right? Like now look at the schedule with confidence. I know I'll have to add this in as the caveat. I can feel, I can feel the Edmonton listeners just, you know, squirming in their ears. And sure, we can realistically possibly say and add the caveat that you can't count up McDavid. Can't count out Dry Sidle. That team is so stacked, and that locker room is so much more talented than every other NHL locker room in the league. But you know what's also a problem? There's so much parity in the league, truthfully, that if you don't get enough of those points early, I don't care. For example, if the Vancouver Canucks are quote unquote the less talented locker room, I'd rather have those 14 banked points right now and be in their position and play out the remainder of the season. Because guess what? If if Vancouver plays with a 500 record for the remainder of the season, I think they make the playoffs. What was it for Edmonton? I think they needed to hit 650. I think that's what it was. Something like yeah, it was that. North of that. <laughs> it's north yeah. of that. These situations. I mean, they're off to a good start the last two games. <laughs> yeah, prior to the couple wins. <laughs> right. That's right. Absolutely. But yeah, that's that's my main topic. It's just the 20 game mark. It's passed. These standings positions are relatively crystallized in my mind you'll start to see how they're going to shape up and everything and I know there will be exceptions to the rule but remember always that teams like Edmonton in their specific situation to some degree the 20 game rule wasn't exactly always made for teams like them but it's going to hold damn true for most of the leagues too most of the league and most of the teams in the league and it remains honestly to be seen until until what, April, April 11, April 10, if Edmonton's even going to buck that trend. I personally, Jay here speaking on the mic, November 27, 2023, I don't think Edmonton's going to cut it, but that's just me. Well, there's one trend that I wouldn't mind seeing continue, and that is for the Teflon armor that the Boston goaltenders wear and the team def- defense that that team <laughs> plays, they've allowed 20 goals in their last five games. And I can't really remember a time over the last year and a half, year and change, where uh, they've been letting in four, four, five, five, five. Like, I if they come back to earth just a little bit, they're not the deepest team. And that would open up a lot more opportunity in that division. So... I think there, if there's one thing we are taking for granted, it's that Boston is going to continue doing what they've miraculously done over the past year and a quarter. And if that doesn't materialize, things are going to get real interesting in the East. I love it. Yeah. And I'd say like uh, the caveat to your, your approach of, yeah, focusing on those winners. It's like, well, should I grab Poitras or should I grab... Uh, Tomas Hurdle. Poitras, yeah, I, he's playing for a better team, but Hurdle, he's getting better deployment, more opportunities to score. 
Whereas uh, Poitras, maybe you're you're trying to ride some unsustainability there, especially as we get closer to like real and fantasy playoffs where there is a lot of teams that are going to play harder nosed hockey to try to clench that spot or they have nothing to play for. So they're just they're just kind of coasting or maybe they they're up against Boston. So they, they want to play disruptor. Yeah, I'd say like there's nothing wrong with reaching for the, the top talent, top teams, but at the end of the day, like uh, context, context is king. Like you don't want to grab your third, fourth line guys just because they're on a winning team. Absolutely. Ready to check out some hot guys? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, so Hawkeye check in this week is Trevor Moore. He kind of showed up out of nowhere. I actually thought he was on the Kings much longer than he has been Toronto baby yeah yeah came out of Toronto but it looks like he's playing with uh Philip Deneau and Kevin Fiala uh second half Fiala that line is the second most used in their last three games after the Kopi line uh right now he's got 1645 average time on ice so he's getting that deployment but he's power play two 33 percent of the power play share immediately without opening the hood that 20.8 shooting percent is not going to not going to last especially cuz he's a career 9.5 i mean he's right under that 3 shots a game you like to see so some of his stuff still looks good his deployment his on average stats the base is there his ipp though going to come down 79.2 at even strength 71.4 on the power play i mean especially on power play 2 but I would say this is a perfect example of uh, what TJ said on the, the Apples and Geno show is like, never be afraid to ride unsustainability. And I would say this is the perfect example of that. Like, it's just you got to know when to get off the ride or try to use a Mrs. Sweetener in a trade and get a get a longer term player. And if you do have that crystal ball, are you really going to waste that talent? that unreal talent that you have on predicting when streamers are going to finish. I mean, it's crazy. We're trying to optimize deployment with opportunity and marry that up as best as we can. And you're never going to nail it. Just like in in our analogies with finance, you're never going to nail an entry or an exit either. You got to come up with an idea of, of, of a zone that I'm comfortable with and you're good. So, Oh man, I guess the immediate thought for me, thinking of my Brahegi to Nugent Hopkins trade, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess sometimes too, you want to ride the opposite one, right? Where you want to tail off and get the guy right as they're going to be. I, I guess just as Matty K mentioned, the entry you want to time the entry correct too. And at the core and crux of it, some of these players are definitely. Definitely playing in opportunities, or I guess we know them so clearly in time frames where they might have had plenty of opportunity, or maybe in times where they had no opportunities at all. And maybe we crystallize those sets in our mind and assume and project it for the rest of their career. When truthfully, Trevor Moore on the Leafs and Trevor Moore on the Kings is an entirely, entirely separate player, right? Like these guys have entirely different deployments and different roles and different avenues for them to succeed or fail and truthfully if Trevor Moore on the Leafs like if he didn't have a good night like he he possibly wasn't getting that much ice time the next day whereas Trevor Moore I think I think he's just sent on the ice and the Kings to shoot the puck over and over and over and frick if if you're just allowed to shoot the puck over and over and over damn one of them's gonna go in eventually sometimes at 20 percent and this is why the listeners you know, 
pick this pod and 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 tune into us. It's because anybody could sit here and talk about how Val Nachushkin's the Hawkeye check-in. Well, of course he is. He's doing fantastic. We want the most unsustainable, screaming towards the sun type of rate stats to talk about players that are in the middle of a heater. And and that's what we're talking about. Streaming, you're getting somebody for this blip in time. Dip your foot in the water in the river and you pull it out and it's out. And what we need to figure out here is can we squeeze a little bit more out of that juice? Um, and a player I'm going to look at for that is on the Chicago Blackhawks. Jason Dickinson, 4% owned. We talked about unsustainable. We have line three with Nick Felino, And if anybody can tell me who Joey Anderson is, that's who he plays with <laughs> alongside Nick Foligno. Uh, Don't worry about talking about the power play because he's not on it. He's got no power play time. He plays uh, 13 and a half minutes of time on ice per game. He's got six goals and five assists in his last 18 games, but he's got nine points in his last nine games, including five goals. Now, here come all the caveats. 1.4 shots on goals per game and has six goals on 26 shots for the season, which puts him around 23%, has a shooting percentage, which is a healthy triple, his average of about 7.8%, the last two years he has a 91 percent ipp at 5v5 which is unreal and we don't need to worry about his power play ipp because he's not on it as we referenced before so why on earth are we talking about jason dickinson schedule chicago plays eight games over the next two weeks they got two off nights you want to stay in the flames with somebody there's worse candidates than jason dickinson although on the team right beside him Elevated two lines northward and on the power play is a 5% owned Philip Kurashev. So we're not saying go out and pick up Jason Dickinson, maybe at the expense of Philip Kurashev. Take a look at Chicago. There's some unsustainable production going on there in a couple little pockets. These are two of them. And they got a pretty favorable schedule. So take a look. Man, Jason Dickinson. (laughs) What? It's... That's a player. That's a real guy. <laughs> yeah. No, he was part of the uh, the Dallas team that went to the finals. Oh man. Oh man. How he's definitely got a soft spot in the heart, and I will say definitely he, his value also rockets up if he's on a face if you're in a face offs league where he obviously is like taking taking. I think like he's a fourth line face offs. He's absolutely on a bender and a heater. I guess like right while he's hot and. Again, completely unsustainable. You're not even going to remember his name probably in three or four weeks from now. It's not to say anything about the individual. He's a fantastic hockey player and probably a great human. I'm just not going to have him on my fantasy team, and neither will you. But for this particular moment in time, he might be of some relevance. Four games. Four games. Let's get him. Let's get him on the team. And I guess I'll round off my Hawkeye check-ins as well, man. Um, Blue chips. Okay, I'm going to mention the blue chips. It's absolutely insane. McDavid. Last seven days, three goals, nine assists. I'm going to say that again. So that's a Tuesday for him, man. (laughs) Three goals and nine assists in the past week. Absolutely on fire. And yet, remember, all this, he's 100% owned. His line mates are all 100% owned. Further, they only play two games this game week. And they don't play four games in another game week until week 20, right? So these guys are definitely going to give 
their money's worth, especially if now what? They need to they need to score Jason need to score eight every game with the way their goalies are leaking goals, and especially if they're gonna try to get to that 650, 650 rate to get them into the playoffs playoffs again. This team is I guess if if anything I would say about the Oilers, I'd wish they could spread some of their scoring. Now I know this isn't relevant to their fantasy ambitions necessarily. But if you're going to win a game 8-1, you might as well win two games 4-2, right? But that aside, absolute heater, McDavid, everyone that's still alongside him. I actually checked to see if there was any other Oiler available. I think your best luck is Matthias Echol. Um, he's got, what, two goals in the same stretch of games? And compared to three goals and nine assists, you're like, that's downright paltry. But, I mean, two goals and you know, the same number of games, that's, that's not bad. 19% owned. Might as well see if he's round. Um, the other one near and dear to Allen's heart, Kucherov. Two goals, six <laughs> six apples in the past past week. What is happening? So he's he, playing possessed this season. It is. It is. At we've we've overused Renaissance completely, but my goodness, Kucherov and man, like that that power play again, right? Hedman, Stamkos, Kuch, point. They are in a tough... T- just every night, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. It's the same three guys, four guys that just blow up with points. It's unreal. Which really is good. separation between... But not good for <laughs> real hockey when you have no depth come playoff time. Absolutely. But fantasy-wise, right, you're, you, we, we're, we're seeing players string together four-point nights, five-point nights... Those are the things, especially in a Cats league, that just separate you from your opponent. It's something we try to identify early on in uh, in draft season is exactly that. Who are players that score and produce at ceiling pace throughout the year, even if it's just bursts of it? Because there's a lot of steady eddies in the league, and there's only a small subset of players that can really pop and win you that week, which is going to win you your pool. So. Yeah, it's definitely a skyrocketing setup, right? And um, maybe the other art guy I'll mention in the last one for Hot Guy Check-In, Valerie Nishushkin, three goals, three apples in the last week. Again, he's just, with the Lekkinen injury, had no other comp- competition to run up against him. And heck, you you want that opportunity. You want that deployment. You want that setup. And man, it they're taking off Rijo, they're adding off, adding on Druen, but they're not touching Valerie, and you should. Mind you, he's probably already taken, but that sort of exposure, the same way, not he's not getting McDavid exposure, but he's getting the next best thing, right? McKinnon, McCarr, Rantanen, just check, just check. But, man, it's been a hot guy checking for blue chips this past week. They are really, really showing their worth. Um... I guess I'll throw it back over to Alan. Instead of cab confessionals this week, we're going to do cab something else's is. I'm going to do a cab calling it now. Uh, my theory is that Calgary having a lot of weird names show up, right? Popsicle guy, uh, Scornado. That was another guy. Zari. Like, Connor Zari. Yeah, like, yeah. come on. Like, I, I think this is kind of throwing everything at the wall to, to see what sticks. Find someone who can play with Huberto. And or we're going to showcase some talent in case uh, case we need to buy and sell a deadline. 
not a huge tinfoil hat moment, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think there's a reason we're seeing all these weird names pop up in Calgary. And I mean, with the commitment they've made to to Huberto, at some point you have to just resolve yourself to the fact that we need to make this work. There you we go. Need and what better way to do it with something in-house. that's going to... That's right. Exhaust every opportunity you have in-house. You certainly don't want to spend more money to fix a problem you just spent a boatload of money on. Uh, but I And again, begets opportunity, right? A couple of these players are going to stick. Man, I'm starting to really think, yeah, the strategy is similar. Just nab the bag and you'll be protected for playtime. That's just, that's just the way it goes. Um, Jack Campbell. Campbell, Campbell indeed. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, yeah, actually, I guess, I guess you really gotta, you really gotta be Campbell, Campbell level to, to really make that untrue. Uh, what about you, Matt E.K.? Well, anybody that tuned into Hockey Night in Canada and saw the Leafs play the Penguins uh, on the uh, on the weekend was treated to a Pittsburgh power play that looked nothing like I have seen in quite some time. And and uh, you know, the announcers made a great point of talking about just how how unorganized and just off tempo the whole unit looked the the power play one for Pittsburgh so we're talking the core of this uh Malkin Crosby Gensel and Carlson and then they've been rotating a fifth individual through there depending on who's heard it's been Rust it's been Ricky Rax it's been a number of people we're gonna look at this core four that really anchors this power play and just from a stat standpoint understand what are they doing well and what might be causing their really paltry production and power play. If you look at their five-on-five numbers, Crosby, Malkin, um, and Gensel, they are through the roof. Almost all of Crosby's points are five-on-five. Almost all of Gensel's points are even strength. It's unbelievable. So the question is, why? What's happening on this power play when you get this Hall of Fame lineup on the ice and somehow aren't able to convert? So what we did is take a look at relative to their peers, all looking at uh, power play strength. So Corsi 4 per 60, who's firing and controlling the puck the most relative to their peer group. This whole group of players, this foursome, ranks between 8th and 18th in the entire NHL relative to their peer group. And when we zoom in a little bit more, so we think, okay, the players, they have the puck, they're controlling possession. Are we generating a lot of scoring chances from that? Are we generating high danger scoring chances? Are we even converting on any of these chances? What part of this process isn't working for the Penguins? And when you look at scoring chances per 60, again, they're tops in the league, 14th through 18th in the NHL, all four of these guys. But when you zoom in a little bit closer, we start to see high danger chances, four per 60. Sid's now down to 56th, Gensel 57th. Gino 65th. So they're not generating really high quality scoring chances on their power play opportunities. They're generating a lot of shot opportunities on their power play. And when we look at their on ice shooting percentage as a group all together, guys, they're 250th in the league. The collective group on the ice together all makes each other worse somehow. And don't ask us how that makes any sort of sense. Their expected goals for on the power play compared to their actual goals for, these guys have all have deltas of over four goals. We've played a quarter of the season. So all of this to say, they're doing the things that strong power plays do to convert at a high level. They just aren't. 
and there's a lot of luck it looks like here not bouncing their way so i would really really continue to hold on to these pens players obviously those are all cores on your team but if somebody's getting a little bit antsy about conversion or you can slide an offer in front of somebody where you can maybe grab one of these guys you know maybe gino what kind of sticks out in that regard might be worth looking into. That power play is not going to stay asleep based on the numbers that we're seeing here. <laughs> that was so amazing when you said they collectively make each other worse somehow. <laughs> Just It's kind of incredible that they won two Stanley, three Stanley Cups that they called together, and then it was the addition of the Norris Trophy winner that, that really made it so that everything tanked all together. Oh, boys, I... I don't know. Yeah, like they're a dumpster fire. 250th is torrentially terrible. But I mean, you look at where they sit in the standings, right? They're kind of a 500 team with fantastic 5v5 numbers and pretty terrible power play numbers. If I was a betting man, I would be wagering on the power play reverting back to the mean in the positive direction as opposed to the alternative. Yeah, I I can completely agree with that premise. It's it is kind of wild that it's taken a quarter of the season and it's still not fixed itself, but remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. Um the leashes on those four players could wrap around the building, so they're going to have some time. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um I'm going to take mine. It's not going to be a it's not going to be a cab confessional. I'm going to it's going to be a cab I told you so and this one rolls all the way back into the season. And the big one basically was, um, I know a lot of teams had a lot of hype going into the league, um, or at least like into preseason, rolling into the season. And one of the teams was uh, Buffalo. And I remember there were two teams, two teams that uh, we, we viewed them as sleeper teams, basically. One was Arizona. Uh, given that they had just had all these new additions. Uh, there was Dursey. Obviously, he didn't get the same uh, leash. Talk about leash. Uh, but he had a very short leash with LA, but he was granted a longer one in the desert. And we were saying, oh, like this team could absolutely take it. Um, and in a similar vein, we mentioned that uh, the Red Wings with Cider before had a very... Uh, strange year so to speak he was uh touted to be the d1 pb1 alongside then heronic came in and it was a it was a weird sort of elevator situation literal taxi squad with that uh power play quarterback situation but yeah i remember saying specifically that it's not within the realm of possibility in this really stacked atlantic that the red wings with you know Vili Huso, who played terribly in 2223, but was amazing as a backstop backup to Bennington in 21-22 with the Blues. Uh, he finally got his own crease and did absolutely nothing with that crease. And then maybe he's got a year under his belt. Maybe afterwards, with the addition of a forward, their teams and cores mainly stayed the same. Maybe they could, you know, with all the parity in the NHL, play pretty well. And well, mildly surprised, would you have imagined anybody at the beginning of the season to say that the Red Wings would be ahead of Tampa and the Leafs in the standings 20, 21 games in? I I definitely wouldn't have said so myself. I mean, I think about it and then I wake up in a cold sweat. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you and me both, Alan. We're both, we're both thinking, what the heck is happening up in Motown for this to possibly occur? Yeah, so definitely, definitely a wild time, but uh, 
as the cab would say it. I told you so. Parody league, better teams, better players. And again, as Matty K mentioned before, bank those points early. Do we really think that Detroit's going to continue playing, you know, on the heater bender that Larkin and Debrinkin are going to crush the league for the remainder? Uh Uh-uh. But I do know that they're going to have their banked lead 10 points or so ahead of the rest of the pack for the remainder of it. Yeah, I think it like the chances. Cool. Well, that's going to wrap it for tonight's quick fares, and we'll uh, park the van cab for the night. As always, we ask all you kings, queens, and other royalty out there to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on your pod platform of choice. You can also follow us on the Twitters, the X's, uh, whatever they want to call it tomorrow, and YouTube. All that info is in the show notes. And if you haven't already, please come join us on the Five Hole Discord. Over 2,500 buttes in there, uh, talking hockey and whatever else you can think of. Uh, Good luck and good hockey this week, and thanks for listening. Great talking hockey, fellas. We'll pick you up later.